open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. Our kids are dismissed to their classes, so you can meet your teachers in the back. Praise the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13. Did I say six? Well, I meant 13, so my apologies, my apologies. But if you want me to go to Matthew 6, I can go there too, I mean. Mm. That's a good one too, right? Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. When you got it, say so. And it says, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Lord, thank you for your kingdom that is true, for your kingdom that is real, for your kingdom that is being revealed and made manifest in our days. Holy Spirit, in these next few moments, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would give us ears to hear, even as you have been present, as you have reminded us of such beautiful truths that you, God Almighty, hold our lives in your hand, that you alone are more than enough. And even as we look at this parable of the mustard seed, we realize, Lord God, that you are more than enough to us. And so, Lord, grip our hearts with your truth this morning. May you give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church, and may you align our hearts to your kingdom for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, would you please raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want to be sure that you are able to follow along in the introduction of the message, and also that you're able to take some notes, and the hope is that you will go beyond this sitting right here, but that you will take this home, that you'll maybe take it into your prayer time, that you'll take it into a discussion around a meal, and that you will talk about what it is that you feel the Lord spoke to you, and what it is that you're going to do about what God has spoken to you, because I think it is to no avail for us to hear from God and yet not obey him. We should want to hear and obey. We should not just be hearers of the word of God, but we should be obedient to God's word. And so we are continuing in our Kingdom Critical series. Last week, we took a break for a moment uh, for Mother's Day. For all the moms, we wanted to uh, share a special Mother's Day with the moms and, and speak a specific message to the moms. But I do want to say this, and, and, and for those of you that are on Realm, I don't normally do announcements at this moment. I usually leave that to Pastor Aldo at the end, but I know I have your undivided attention right now. Hallelujah. And so I want to let you know about something that's very special to me. We have been given the opportunity to actually partner with different pregnancy centers throughout this city and throughout this region. And one of them is Thrive Orlando. And so on the 29th of this month, we, there's, a, there's a, an activity or an event that is in Realm. And it is called uh, uh, bless, Blessing the Baby Sunday, right? And so we are, we're a baby blessing Sunday is what it's called. And basically what we are given the opportunity to do is we are going to be supporting what they call a baby boutique. And so if you don't know what a baby boutique is, it is a place where the moms 
who are going through the trainings and the development that are offered there, they are able to go through that training. They get something called baby bucks. And then what they're able to do with no money out of their pockets, simply them giving their time, they're able to go and purchase things, you know, like car seats, hallelujah. We just recently have a six-month-old in our home, so we understand car seats and how amazing they are, glory to God. <laughs> I'm grateful for folks who donated those, but nonetheless, these moms may not have people in their lives who are able to donate. That's the reason why they find themselves in these crisis situations. And so, nonetheless, there is a list on Realm of things that we're hoping that you will partner with us so that way we can be a blessing to all these moms and these babies. So, nonetheless, you can go on Realm. You can find that. But we want to collect everything on the 29th because we are supporting the Baby Boutique for June. And so we want to do that in honor of the moms that are saying yes to life. And so here we are continuing again in our kingdom critical series today i want to talk about kingdom expansion kingdom expansion we're looking at this mustard seed parable jesus has been speaking parables and as you know for those of you that have been with us we have been talking about the kingdom and how important it is for us in our days what our world needs i believe more than anything else is an encounter with the king and that is through the power of the kingdom of god our world desperately needs to experience the manifestation of the kingdom. When you read through the Gospels, you will see that Jesus began to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand, therefore you are to repent. John the Baptist had the same message. If you go into the book of Acts, you find the same thing there, that they were preaching the kingdom of God. They weren't just preaching about church. They weren't just preaching about buildings or whatever it was that, that, that we may think about when we think of church, they were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They were bringing the kingdom to bear in their community. They were, they were experiencing the kingdom. People, people were being healed and people were being delivered. People were being saved and being set free. And I, and I believe that in our days, rather than getting caught up in different agendas, hello somebody, Rather than getting caught up in all kind of other causes, we need to be coming back to the kingdom. We need to come back to God's word and look at what Jesus communicates. And so Jesus is communicating about a kingdom that should be permeating our hearts, should be changing our lives, and as a result should be leading us in order to bring change to other lives. And so in your outline here, you can follow along in the introduction. From its inception, the church has been expanding the kingdom. Following the ascension of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the message and manifestation of the kingdom were in full effect beginning the, with the first message that the apostle Peter preached. And here's the thing. Nothing has changed in the mind, heart, or will of God for his church. It is on us to align with his agenda. God hasn't changed his mind in any way, shape, or form. God hasn't, hasn't diverted the plan. He hasn't given us like another plan of another way that we're supposed to do things, of another way that we're supposed to, 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 to be engaged with our culture. But he has called us to align not, not just with, and I want to say this, with the kingdom agenda. What is the agenda of the kingdom for some of the men that have, that have begun on Saturday mornings? We started yesterday our Experiencing God journey together. And, and throughout the week, throughout the devotional time there, one of the primary things that was communicated and for those men that were involved in that and, and going through those times of devotion, one of the main things that kept being driven home is this, is that God is working. God is at work around you at all times. 
We often ask God, God, what is it you want me to do for you? That's the wrong question. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you are doing? What is it that you are doing in this moment? I want to join you in what you're doing. I want to be part of. I want to get in tune with. I want to flow with. I want to align my agenda to your agenda. And if we want to know what God is doing, we got to look at the kingdom. we got to look at what the kingdom of God is about. So here's my, my thought. This is what I want you to think about this morning. Kingdom expansion cannot be viewed as an option but must be embraced as a mandate. Kingdom expansion cannot be viewed as an option like, well, maybe I should be about the kingdom expanding. Maybe, maybe I should care about the kingdom moving in to the lives of other people. We can't see it as optional. We have to embrace it as a mandate. Understanding this, that God has chosen you. Look at your neighbor say, neighbor. God chose you. Now look at your other neighbor. And say, neighbor, they didn't believe me, but God chose you. <laughs> Listen, we, 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 we have to understand that this is not something that we can kind of be like, well, maybe I'm called to be an expander of the kingdom. No, no, no. You are called, no question, to be expanding the kingdom of God. That is part of the mandate for the church, and you are the church. You are the body of Christ. You are the kingdom conduits. You are the kingdom carriers, and you have to realize that if you are saved in this place, listen, now if you're not saved, this doesn't apply to you, but if you are saved in this place, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then you and I have to embrace the fact that there is a mandate on our lives that God has deposited his kingdom within us, and he wants us to expand it wherever we find ourselves. Whether that's in our neighborhood, whether that's in our workplace, whether that is within our family, wherever we find ourselves, understand this please, wherever you find yourself, God wants to use you to expand the kingdom there. If there's no kingdom expansion, then we are not doing our job. Come on now. If there is no kingdom expansion, if we're, listen, if we are not seeing the kingdom expand in our families, it's because somebody's dropping the ball. If we are not seeing the kingdom expanding in our neighborhoods, don't wait for your other neighbor down the road. Come on now. If we are not seeing the kingdom expanding in our workplaces, you know, I, I, and I share this story. I've, I've shared this before, and I, I want to share it just one more time. Pastor Frank, you guys know Pastor Frank Reynoso. He's one of our favorites, right, that he comes here. I know he's one of my favorites. I love it when he comes and preaches. And he, he shared, I told you a long time ago, when we first started the church, the first time that he came and ministered, he was, he was preaching. And as he was preaching, you know, we're talking about revival, and he's speaking about revival, and he says, hey, did, have y'all ever heard about the renaissance revival and somebody in the room said yeah he's like you ain't heard about no renaissance revival he said the renaissance revival was when me and my brother used to work at the renaissance hotel come on now <laughs> and what happened was this is that my brother and I purposed in our hearts that we were going to seek the Lord diligently and passionately about the souls who were in the Renaissance Hotel where we worked at. And we were, gonna, we were not going to just be passive, but we were going to be active in the expansion of the kingdom of God in the Renaissance Hotel as we worked there. And as they prayed and as they sought the Lord, God was using them to lead people to Jesus one soul at a time. 
That's what kingdom expansion should look like. Listen, I don't know about what your work situation is like. You may have a depressing work-life situation. I don't know. Hmm. You may work around and with some unsaved people, some people who are in desperate need of the kingdom. That's why I'm preaching this message. Come on now. But what I know is this, is that if you will purpose in your heart, and listen, if you, you, there is some, you just said to your neighbor that God chose them, right? Come on now. You could just partner with that neighbor, and right there, they may not even work with you. But listen, if you have a believer that works with you, you should get with that believer and say, you know what, man, we need to, we need to change the atmosphere here. Is it, is it possible? Some of you are like, no, nah, it's not possible. Corporate America, it's impossible. Man, the devil is a liar. There is nothing impossible for the power of our king. There is nothing impossible for the kingdom of God if we will simply trust and believe that he is able to use us and that he wants to use us. Hey, listen, it may not happen the way you want. <laughs> It may not happen the way that you plan. It may not happen the way that you purpose. It may not happen the way you think it's going to happen. But would you just be faithful and say, God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to be used by you. I want to be an influence. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the upcoming weeks. But nonetheless, the kingdom or kingdom expansion cannot be viewed as an option. It's not optional. And listen, this isn't about age. I got some young men here, some younger folks over there. got some older folks. And we got, we got all the ages in the room, glory to God. No matter where you find yourself, you need to understand something. God wants to use you. He wants to use you in order to expand and extend the kingdom of God. We've got to see it as a mandate. So the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, kingdom expansion may appear insignificant. Kingdom expansion may appear insignificant. In this parable of the mustard seed, what we see here is something that is seemingly insignificant, a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds. We'll talk about that in a moment. But here's the thing. you got to know this. Following Jesus has never been popular. And I don't foresee it becoming popular anytime soon before his return. As a matter of fact, it is becoming more and more unpopular to really follow Jesus. And that's even within the ranks, right, of those who call themselves believers. Come on now. To really See, when, when you really get into following Jesus, it's not just about church attendance. It's not just about showing up on a Sunday. It's not just about, listen now, I'm all about prayer meetings again. I plug it every week. Wednesday night, we come together, we pray. You should be here to pray and seek the Lord. That's what we come to do. We don't come to Bible study. We, don't, we come to seek the face of the Lord. We come to pursue him because we want to see the kingdom. But let me tell you something. It's not just about coming on a Wednesday to prayer either. Being a follower of Jesus is, is, is about so much more. It's not just about memory verses. It's not just about learning some more Bible. No, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to lay your life down. Ooh. It means to pick up your cross. It means to say, God, I want you to have your way. In, I, want, I, 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 am, I am surrendering my agenda to yours. I'm acknowledging you as the master. I am not. It is me surrendering my will. It is me surrendering my finances. It is me surrendering all of my relationships. It is me surrendering all that I am to him saying, Lord, I want to follow you. That's not popular. That's not, that, that's not even popular in, in, in the present day church because what do we want? What do we want? Come on now, let's be real. We, want, we, we, we just want the blessing. We want the dabadoo. Come on now. 
Boom, yeah, you, you blessed, go on, go, go, go about your way. Live your blessed week, live your, your best life, whatever. That, that's what we want, really. But do we want to live for the king? Do we want to live according to the kingdom agenda? Do we want to live according to the glory of God? Do we want to live according to his purpose? See, in the minds of many, when you think about Christianity, these are some of the things that I've heard, some of the things that some of you may have shared with me. But, but, but when you think about the kingdom or following Jesus, some people will say that's for weak people, that's for foolish people, that's for deceived people. That's what some people will say in our world. Some people who are lost, they just think in their eyes that Christianity is insignificant. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's good that you have some religion in your life, but they, because they don't understand, they haven't encountered the king. Like the mustard seed, one of the smallest garden seeds that is there, it seems insignificant, but can I tell you something? This is exactly the way that God wants to expand his kingdom. I love when, when my wife and I, before we got married, we, we were part of a, a bowling league, hallelujah. I had never bowled before, but I just wanted to be near her, so I did whatever it took. <laughs> hallelujah. And we had to name our team, and our team was the underdogs. And it was appropriate because I think they, you know, we were looked at as the underdogs anyway, like we were never going to work, right, or whatever the case is. But 25 years strong, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> Glory to God. But uh, you know what I think? I think God likes the underdogs, not just because that was my team name. But, but, but I think he likes the underdogs. I think he likes the ones that are seemingly insignificant to everyone else. I, 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 1 Corinthians tells us that, right? He takes the foolishness of this world to confound the wise. He takes the weak to confound the strong. That's what he does. That's what God does. He, but, but again, we see it here, that, that this seemingly insignificant seed is there. And so just a couple of facts about this seed is that rabbis use the mustard seed as a proverbial object to denote the smallest possible amount or size of something. It was one of the smallest, if not the smallest seed that there was for you to plant within your garden. And yet Jesus is using this parable because, remember, these are an agricultural people. They would have understood the significance of what he was saying. There were also people who have been taught under other rabbis who use this as an example. And Jesus communicates this, letting them know, hey, this is the smallest, most seemingly insignificant. But can I tell you something else that you'll notice about this parable? Look what it says here. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Notice it didn't say seeds. This is important. Because up until this point, you have been hearing about seeds, have you not? You heard about the sower who was sowing seeds, plural. There were a plurality of seeds that were being sown as the message of the gospel was going forth. There, were, there, there, there was the, the, the darnel, there was the, the, wheat and the wheat and the tares. There was seeds that were sown. But here, Jesus switches it and he goes from the plural to a singular. Why is that? Because the kingdom of heaven is singular. The kingdom of heaven, there is one kingdom, there is one king, there is one agenda, there is one truth that does not change, there is one way to salvation. Again, everything that I have just said is countercultural because everybody wants their own way to Jesus. Everybody wants their own way to heaven. Everybody wants their own way into the kingdom. But the fact is there is a narrow road, few find it. That's what the scriptures teach. And so we have been given this right to be kingdom expanders and extenders within our days. There is only one kingdom. Again, we've got to notice the singularity of the kingdom. So here's the thing. As we think about the fact that kingdom expansion may seem insignificant, here's what we have to ask ourselves. 
we have to determine what is it that I'm going to give my life to? What is it that I'm going to give my life for? Is it the glory of God or is it the glory of man? See, because you know what? What, what? what I notice is that the king doesn't always come with all this pomp. You know, our king, you know how he came, right? He came lowly in a manger. The scripture tells us that there was no comeliness to him. And so he wasn't this superstar, super stud that was drawing everyone because he was amazing. But he was like, oh, you, you're going to follow me? Okay, well, let me tell you what that looks like. <laughs> Foxes have holes, right? He, he's like pointing out to them like, I don't have a mansion that I'm taking you to. Not now. I'm building one for you. There's one that will come. There's one that will be in glory. But for now, you want to follow me? You're going to lay your life down. And say, do, do you really want to come after me? Do you really want to live for my glory? Or do you want to live for something else? Do you want to live for man's glory? Because here's the truth. The truth is in our days, we have become very good, especially us with our Americanized Christianity. We measure Christianity way different than the original folks did. The original folks measured it differently. They, they, they were looking at the kingdom. They were looking at a cost that was involved with following the king, they had, to, they, had to, they had to answer the question, what am I going to give my life for, the glory of the kingdom or the glory of man? The things that look good to the world, the things that make people feel good, the things that make me feel better about myself all the time, or am I going to be living for the glory and honor of God? Because let me tell you something, it's not about me feeling better about myself. When I live for his glory, oh, there's joy and there's peace that I don't get in other places. We have to determine how we're going to live our lives, what we're going to give our lives to. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, kingdom expansion, kingdom expansion. is hope-filled hope reliance on the king. Kingdom expansion is hope-filled reliance on the king. Again, this insignificant tiny seed, this insignificant tiny seed is, is, is by itself nothing really. But when we are committed to kingdom expansion, it is hope-filled reliance on the king. When we look at this seemingly insignificant mustard seed, we should be reminded of some other words that Jesus said. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain to move and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. You know where that is found at? That's found in Matthew chapter 17. And you know what happens in Matthew chapter 17? Jesus takes his disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration as we know it. And he is up there being transformed in the presence of three of his disciples. And as he's being transfigured and the glory of God is being revealed to them, the other disciples are down in the valley and the people are coming to those disciples. A father in particular with a son who is an epileptic brings his son to the disciples. And because Jesus has been manifesting the kingdom and he has been using his disciples in a great way, he brings his son to the disciples of Jesus and says, hey, can you heal my son? And they do everything they can to heal this epileptic child and nothing happens Jesus comes down the mountain and when he comes down the mountain the father brings the child to him and said I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything and he says to them oh faithless and perverse generation how long must I be with you he casts the demon out of the child and then the disciples come to him just dumbfounded like well why couldn't we do it all these other demons have gone out. And that is where Jesus comes with these words that I just said. <laughs> if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, 
If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, what is Jesus communicating to them? He tells them, he lets them know, but these don't come out by, by prayer and fasting. And so he is pointing out to them this. Jesus is making it clear to his disciples in that moment that real mustard seed faith activates the kingdom. Real mustard seed faith activates the kingdom. So what was he saying? He told them because of your doubt. You know, you know what the issue is with our faith? Here's the problem with our faith. We have too many options. We have too many options. You don't live in some third world country where the only, the, only, the only hope is healing for your sickness. You can go to CVS or Walgreens or Walmart or wherever and you can go and get some aspirin or you can go and get some Alka-Seltzer Plus, whatever your favorite drug is. You don't really need to. I didn't mean that in the negative way. Come on now. It's all over the counter, not not counter. Well, anyway. But wherever it is, that's where, that's where we run. Do we not? I mean, how many of you, I mean, you, don't raise your hand and don't say amen. Just, just, just pretend like I'm asking you a rhetorical question. I mean, but how many of you, when you feel that ache or that pain, the first thing you do is say, Lord, I declare healing over my body. <laughs> Some of you might hope, God, please heal me. That's different. That's different. But I'm talking about like you stand in faith for God. Now, listen, I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with aspirin, Advil, any. I'm not saying I don't have any issues with that. I take that stuff too. Come on now. I'm not telling you that, like, like, my faith is better than yours. Like, when I wake up and, and, I'm, and, and I'm feeling some kind of way, that I just jump to faith immediately. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that's the problem with our faith. It's that we have too many options. One of the things that the Lord just really dealt with me on this week as I was going through my time of devotion with him, I loved it, is that we're so used to just doing something, right? Like, we're, like we have to make a decision. We have to do. And you know what God is saying? Don't do anything. Just stand still. I was like, hallelujah, glory to God. Like, that's just not me, right? Like, I, I need a solution. I need an answer. I need to figure it out. Wait, wait a second. Just, just be still and know that I am God. The problem with our faith is that we have too many options. We're too capable, or we think we are. We know pros, cons, this, that, and we measure all this, and we have our list, and where's God in all that? Like legitimately, and, I, and listen, I, I, I know this, I, I pray this is coming on strong. I mean, it's coming on strong for me. Like as, like, like, like as I'm reading, as I'm praying, as I'm meditating on this man, I think I'm too capable sometimes. I can figure it out on my own. I have an agenda. I have a plan. I have wisdom. But d doesn't Proverbs tell me something like don't lean on your own understanding? It says something like that. I don't know. You should go and read it. You read it and, you know, quote it back to me or something. Send me a text with an encouraging word tomorrow morning. <laughs> Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord, right? And he will order your steps and direct your way. Like, like that, that's important stuff. But do we, do we do that? Again, it's not about knowing scripture. It's not about knowing verses. It's about really following, really living for the king, really living for his glory. We have too many resources. We have too much access to too many things to really rely on and trust in the Lord. See, this parable, when, they, when, when Jesus was sharing this parable, he wasn't reading it to them, obviously. We're reading it. <laughs> but, 
But as, as he was sharing this parable, this parable would have encouraged the disciples who were going through it. Their faith was being tested. They were wondering about the significance. Remember, they were waiting on this king that was going to come and overturn the Roman Empire. They're waiting on this Messiah that was prophesied. They were waiting on him, the one that we're waiting on now. They were waiting on him in the first coming, but he didn't come for that. He came with a kingdom agenda, and the first place he wanted to be king was in the hearts of the people. He had that desire. He wanted to be king. That was the, the will of God, to conquer the hearts of men. And oh, for sure, the kingdom of God in its fullness will manifest one day, and we will see its glory. But in this moment, as they're hearing these words, and see these words, remember, these words are not just for them at that moment. Those words are going to walk with them as people are dying for their faith. You know, until Christianity became legal, right? When people were, when there was a real cost to declaring Jesus is Lord, because you were declaring Caesar is not when there was a real cost for your life in that. And so when, they, when, when Jesus is sharing this parable, he is encouraging them. This parable showed them this. Check this out now. There was something greater at work than what the naked eye could see. I love that. There was something greater. This mustard seed thing. Oh, oh, this, this, this month, there's something you may not see it working, but this mustard seed that seems insignificant, there is something greater at work than what you are seeing with the naked eye. That's what it means to be a person who is about kingdom expansion. They're looking at what it is that the king is doing. See, this is the encouragement. This is why this is hopeful because we know, hold on a second, there's one that's working. I may not see it, but he's working. I may not feel it, but I know that he is the Alpha, he is the Omega, and he holds it all together. He's in the middle, and he holds it all together. I may not, I may not see him, but I know him. I know what he's promised. I know what his word declares. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Kingdom expansion results in inclusive refuge. Kingdom expansion results in inclusive refuge. See, what we see here, continuing on to read, when the, which indeed is the least, verse 32, of the seeds, but when it, grow, when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And so this insignificant, tiny little seed becomes as big as a tree. Looks like nothing. Starts out like nothing, but it expands into something great to where these birds come and they find rest. They find refuge. Now, I want to give you something because as we're, as we're coming, coming to the close here, I want you to know that there are two ways that this parable is interpreted based on every one that I read as I walk through this, I mean, you literally have two verses, and so you're digging as much as you can to figure out what it is, what is it exactly that Jesus is communicating. Because for this parable, the next one that we'll look at on the, on the leaven, Jesus doesn't answer them. Apparently, his disciples understood them fully by what he communicated because they never asked him, Lord, what do you mean by these like they did with the other parables? But in this one, there's two ways that this can be interpreted based on the way that people have done it. First of all, solely using, you just look back and you say, okay, I'm just going to use the parables that preceded this to interpret 
what, what it is that is going on here. So I'm going to look at the birds of the air based upon the first parable that mentions the birds of the air. Or the second way that you can interpret this parable is by looking at it from the perspective of the Old Testament. And if you're writing notes, you can write these down. Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 23. And then you also have um, Ezekiel 31 and verse 6. And you have Daniel chapter 4 and verse 12. So real quick again, Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 23. Ezekiel 31, 6 and Daniel 4, 12. Those verses there are another way that you can actually interpret the way that Jesus is speaking because there... There is a reference to birds and trees as well. And we know something about this Old Testament. It is this, it is what? Is that Israel in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant was who? They were the kingdom of God. Israel was exclusively the kingdom of God. They weren't inclusive, they were exclusive. They were God's chosen people, they were the ones who God had chosen. And yet God prophesies in Ezekiel. And he prophesies in Daniel that there is coming a time where there will be this tree, this expansion, and then these birds from everywhere will come. And so here's the thing that I believe. I think both of them can be true without contradicting each other. What do you mean by this? Let me tell you why. First of all, we see the growth of the mustard seed, which symbolizes God's expansive, miraculous kingdom movement that offers what? Offers salvation to all who are going to believe. Now we go from being exclusively just for Israel to now being inclusive to all of the world, all of the nations. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. So we realize that the kingdom of God is expansive. It is massive. It is inclusive, and again, I'm getting ready to close with this, but here's the thing, that as we see this here, we see clearly that the kingdom, as it, ex as it is expanding, there's also something else that happens. And while all of these birds that are these people that come, guess who is there? The enemy is there, is he not? He's sowing tares among the wheat. He's sowing deception and lies. He is stealing God's word from the heart's of many people, is he not? And so here's what we have to realize, is that there's two things happening. One of them is that the kingdom is expanding. The kingdom is growing. But as the kingdom grows, there's deception, there's lies, there's other stuff that we need to be aware of. And, and that's the reason why you and I have to do what? We have to be given to the kingdom message of the gospel. You and I have to be committed to this kingdom message of the, of the gospel. We can't ignore these other warnings that are there. And rather than us becoming exclusive, right, and being like, hey, we're just going to be with our little clique of people and who we know are holy, who we know are safe, what do we need to do? We need to be about kingdom expansion. We need to be about the expansion of the kingdom of God into the life of every person that we encounter. Every week, what does Pastor Aldo remind us of? He talks about our identity every week. He, he gets up there some weeks, he, he, he expounds a little bit more, but every week he's like, we're committed to loving God, growing together, serving, reaching others. But there's a part there that we may miss because he says it, and we might not realize that it applies to us, engaging people where they are. That's how the kingdom expands. Wherever you are, again, 
I go back to the Renaissance Revival. I want to hear about revivals everywhere. Wherever your workplace is, I don't know what your, what, what, what your companies are named. I don't, I don't know all of them, but here's the thing. I would love to hear about the revival that happened. You named the company. Because you took it upon yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to engage people where they are. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to engage God where he is. I'm going to begin to call upon the king. I'm going to begin to surrender my agenda to the one who is on the throne. I'm going to embrace this gospel message that our God, this is the gospel message that we hear weekly. We should have this down pat in our hearts. It is that God is good. He is a good creator. He created everything perfect. He created us without sin, and yet man sinned. Man decided to rebel against God. We've all. Minister Hector, he read it in the introduction of the service. He read the scripture. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has turned to his own ways. That is what the scripture says about us. But the beauty of the gospel, as we partake of communion in a moment, the beauty of the gospel is what? Is that Jesus doesn't leave us in our sins. I love it. He doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us in despair. But he comes to rescue us. He comes to set us free. He comes to deliver us from our sin. He comes to bring us into a relationship with him. He comes to redeem us and restore us. He comes to revive our hearts. He comes to heal our brokenness. That is the beauty of the gospel. And that is the kingdom that we are supposed to be expanding in our world. You see, when we are given to this gospel message of the kingdom, you know what it does? It keeps us grounded because we don't start thinking that we're better than anybody. We don't start thinking that we are more holy than others. We only remember, man, that I've been redeemed by the grace of God. That every time that we gather to worship, I am reminded, not because I'm such a terrible sinner. Man, listen, I could have had the best week ever. Didn't raise my voice at anyone. I was prayerful. I hit all my, listen, I could have had that great week. And you know what I still realize? I'm still a sinner. Because the scripture says that my righteousness is as filthy rags before him. I can never be holy enough to appease the holiness of God. But that's the beauty of the gospel. He did it. He said it is finished. That's the beauty that the gospel grounds us. But the gospel also keeps us alert. Reminding us that there's an enemy out there that wants to destroy. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The gospel keeps us laboring with the king. And you know what this does? This leads to kingdom fruit. So we can all have a testimony, like Pastor Frank does, like others of you may have, where God has used you to literally turn places upside down for his glory and his honor. And so here's my closing question for you. Does your life reflect a commitment to kingdom expansion? Does your life reflect a commitment to kingdom expansion? You know, it's easy to answer that question. Look at your agenda. Look at what you spend your time at throughout your week. Look at the things that you purpose in your heart. Just think about the things that you think about when you wake up. Even now, you're thinking about Monday and next week. Let me ask you a question. Is, is, is on your radar a conversation with someone who doesn't know Jesus? 
Is on your radar, on your prayer list, is there a prayer list of names of people who do not know, whether it is written down or it is something that is, that is inscribed in your heart, that you are literally coming before the Lord on a daily basis crying out, God, bring salvation to this person, bring healing to this person, bring restoration to that person's life. Are you, listen, on, in your agenda in your life, it's, it's a simple question. Because we, because listen, I'm being sincere. We can easily say, yeah, my life is all about the kingdom, but is it really? Is it really? Are you so busy with all the things you have to do that you can't give your time, your talent, your treasure to the kingdom work? I'll ask you to stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads with me. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward, if you would. And as they come forward, I want to, I just want to, I want to encourage you this morning. First and foremost, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have not put your faith in Christ, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You have heard the gospel you have, you have sinned. You have fallen short of the glory of God. You are separated from God because of your sin. That is just a reality. But the beauty is this, is that Jesus came to rescue everyone who's separated from him. So if you're in this place and you have not put your faith in Christ, today is the day that you can do that. You can come forward and they will pray with you. But you might be in here, and maybe you did put your faith in Jesus one time, and, and, and you know what? You are just far from God in this moment. And today you say, God, I want to restore my relationship with you. I want to make a commitment to walk with you from this day forward. I want to begin to, to move in a relationship with you. I want to lay my life down. I want to recommit. That may be you in this place. You can also come up here, and they'll pray for you. And then there's the third person that can come up here for prayer as well. And that's the one that you may be in here. You're a follower of Jesus. But man, that, that last question hits you hard and you just are being honest and you're saying, man, my life is not committed. My life is not committed to expanding the kingdom. And I want to realign myself. So bow your heads if you would. If you need prayer, you can come forward. The, the, the altar area is open for you. As we, as we worship the Lord, as we humble our hearts before God Almighty, if you need to make a commitment to Christ today for the first time, please come forward. Don't wait. If you need prayer today, you want to reconcile your life to the Lord, don't wait. And if you need prayer because you want your life to align to the kingdom, then come forward. We want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord. I need you to soften my heart, to break me apart. I need you. To open my eyes, to see that you're shaping my life. Cause all I am, I surrender. Give me faith to trust what you say. That you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life.
Father, thank you so much for your word that is true, your word that does not return void in our lives. God, may it accomplish what you have sent it forth to do. May our faith be built stronger in you. Father, for my brothers and sisters, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to be vessels of your kingdom, God, that you would help us to be vessels that are expanding the kingdom, Lord God, vessels that are expanding your kingdom in, the, in our families, expanding your kingdom in our workplaces, expanding your kingdom in our neighborhoods, God. Father, help us to have the right mentality, the right mindset that we would realize that you are king. We are not, that our agenda is yours. May your name be glorified in us, God. May you use us for your glory and for your honor. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said.